Welcome to the Supergirl Supercast. I'm Trishy Matson, And I'm David Schaub. And today we're discussing Season 5, Episode 6 of Supergirl, Confidence Women. David, why don't you uh, refresh our memories? And our memories go way back. <laughs> Fifteen years ago, Andrea and Lena bond over screwed up families and Titanic. Five years ago, Lord Industries is going to destroy Obsidian worldwide, but rather than getting her father professional help for his suicidal thoughts, she betrays Lena, steals a magic medallion, and becomes the Shadow Walker assassin Akrata for the Illuminati-like Leviathan. Four years ago, failing to find the medallion, Lena feels bad about not stopping Lex and leaves her boyfriend Jack to help Supergirl save the world. Three years ago, Leviathan massively overreacts and turns Russell into Dr. Sextopus, er, Ripper. Lena risks becoming friends with Kara. We know how that goes. Today, Andrea needs Lena's help to rescue Russell from the DEO. Lena distracts Supergirl and incepts the DEO, allowing Andrea to rescue him. But Lena takes back the medallion after threatening to incept Russell to death. Of course, Leviathan then kills Russell, and Andrea is still stuck being a Krata. Right. Well, going from last week to this week, wow, what an improvement. <laughs> 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 this is such a better episode. It is amazing. It is almost like a different show. Yep. <laughs> I think the lesson we can all learn from this is don't trust shadowy strangers who make you extravagant promises as long as you promise to obey their bidding in future. It's just not a good idea. There are so many things about how she ends up in Leviathan that is so weird. But let's just go through the episode linearly. There's lots of things. The first thing I noticed when watching this episode was, has the soundtrack suddenly edged towards Electronica? There's a definitely different vibe to it. And I don't know if it's new to this episode or not. I'm not sure. It had a different energy, but I confess I didn't notice the music much. Well, I usually don't, but this time I did. I don't, I don't know. I think we're edging a bit with the technology theme of the season. Mm -hmm. I think the music is edging a little bit towards the Tron legacy, which is not bad. No. <laughs> so I think it's nice that the thing that the girls got from Titanic was not lost love is the best love, but rather if tragedy hits you, go out and seize life. Unfortunately, Andrea didn't really seem to take that to heart as she was completely unwilling to face tragedy in a meaningful way and instead took an easy answer, which involved betrayal, on the promise of someone she just met who she knew nothing about. Bad, bad, bad. On the other hand, this show occasionally finds young actors to play their characters, and they still do a very good job with it. I was very happy with the young Kara and young Alex, and I think these two also do a fairly good job with the characters. But boy, do they bond ridiculously quickly. Oh, well. Right. Well, they were both emotionally needy at that point, uh, understandably, although I had to laugh at Lena instantly trumping Andrea. My parents didn't come for visitor's day. And Lena says, my mom is dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to beat how bad Lena's family is. Right. <laughs> it's really hard. But uh, yes, they bonded really quickly, but they both needed someone. And I didn't really want to spend a huge amount of time watching them write fan fiction or however <laughs> they bonded over Titanic. So anyway, fine. They formed a bond in school and stayed friends until they didn't. Until they didn't. And then we, and we end up in the five years ago segment, 
where a lot of the episode sits, where we get to see lots of parallel activities as Lena and Andrea are both fired. Right. Lena, because she wouldn't join in Lex's obsession about uh, stopping the alien, Superman, and Andrea fired in a loving way by her father because uh, he was going down and he didn't want to drag her with him. But she wouldn't accept that. There are so many parts in this episode where Andrea is defending her choices because otherwise her father would die. I really think there should have been a moment where someone tried to suggest her father get help somehow, other than from Leviathan. Leviathan should not be your first go-to. <laughs> someone is having depressive issues. They're having suicidal thoughts. Can we find an Illuminati organization to solve our problems? That leap is just so far. And she, in multiple parts later in the episode, defends her actions as saying, I had to save my father. And it's like, that's not the help your father needed. Right. I really hate the justification, although people do use it, of I had to do it for X's good. You know, I had to do it to save my father, my child, my whatever. So few of these people ever seem to ask themselves, would my father really want me to turn into a contract killer <laughs> just to save his life? <laughs> well, she is a really cool contract killer. I have to say the reveal that she is Agrata was a little surprising, though we knew she was involved with Leviathan. Had I actually Wikipedia'd it up, it is, of course, fully documented that Andrea Rojas is Akrata. So this is, uh, of course, if anyone had done any research, uh, an obvious result. But I hadn't, and it was interesting to see that reveal. Right. Well, I was surprised, too, partly because it seems like, you know, you would be able to find other people to do your assassiny bidding for you, and the head of a tech company would seem to be better utilized in other ways. Just like the uh, scientist uh, Russell Rogers, uh, or at least engineer Russell Rogers, might have better uses for Leviathan than as a different kind of killer. But, you know, I've complained before about Jimmy Olsen or James Olsen, you know, would have be more effective as an actual CEO rather than Guardian. So, I mean, that seems to be a thing for this show. <laughs> Misusing people. This show has absolutely decided that there is no better career than superhero or supervillain. <laughs> no matter what you do, you would be the better you if you were the super version of that. That in a suit with a mask. That is just the type of show this is. I agree it is strange. Considering how quickly Leviathan can show up and kill people, I don't even know why they need her. Right. But we'll get there. Right. So I did like the whole idea of, you know, the tropical safari that they went on. Well, it's a thing we've seen many times before and other things and a bit colonialist to go and exploit someone else's legacy, possibly that may have been stopping a volcano from overwhelming this village for centuries, but we'll just take it and go. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely one of those origin stories. <laughs> right. But, but Lena and Andrea looked cute in their outfits. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, Andrea made it to the medallion before Lena, and Leviathan apparently had just been waiting for this moment to show up and get their new member. I don't know, do they keep tabs on all 
tech people that they want to turn into assassins. <laughs> I had exactly the same question. Like, do they have an oracle so they knew this was going to happen? Or mm-hmm. did they have something set up there? Because obviously there's a connection between the medallion and that site and Leviathan in a greater world building thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe they actually got a signal or that triggered something when they went into the room. And then whoever would have gone into the room, they would have instantly done this massive research on to find out how they could manipulate them. I do not understand how quickly that messenger came and knew so much. It is very impressive. Leviathan is supposed to be scary. That is the scariest thing Leviathan does, is show up instantly and have an entire blackmail plot set up for her. I was very impressed. Right. They apparently have layers upon layers upon layers of people and think nothing of money since they were ready to destroy the Pacific Coast and Obsidian North to um just to make a point <laughs> we have no idea why they did that still i don't know if it'll ever be explained right so so anyway yeah at this point i would really like to start learning something about leviathan's goals if it has any other than just world domination just for the sake of having power because it's still very mysterious and i'd like to know if they have any goals besides just power or if they're trying to do anything. I also would have liked a single line where Andrea makes sure someone's watching her father as she goes away for three days right when he was having suicidal thoughts and left him. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Decision for the company isn't happening for a few days, but no, he shouldn't be left alone. Right, right. No. You know, maybe, I don't think Andrea has any family, I mean, in any brothers or sisters, or at least they certainly weren't mentioned. And we never even saw her mother, but apparently emotionally distant since she wouldn't even come to visitor's days. So yeah, just leaving her father, who knows if she even told her father where she was going for three days? That seemed very odd. They're still rich. They have staff. (laughs) There's two aspects of the show that I thought were a bit confusing. The first one was in the setup for Lena. Because they have her doing two things simultaneously and it's really unclear how they connect because she suddenly has this backstory where her mother really liked this fairy tale about the shadows and the medallion of Arcata and the search for the medallion and all of that sort of came from her mother. We don't know where that came from. We've never heard of it before, but it seems like that was a big deal. But then the other part of this is she's looking for an element, which as far as I can tell, she can read where it is on a satellite to stop Lex's atmosphere seating machine from season two. I have absolutely no idea what any of that meant. I don't, there was this need for a connection there for Lena to also be trying to stop something that Lex was doing because then she could blame Andrea for the deaths that Lex caused, but Lex never got the machine working in the first place. Lena was the one who got it working in the end. So there's, there's bits of that framing that I did not understand. And I think they needed it just to up the stakes a bit, but it did not make sense to me. Yeah, one, uh, dubious virtue of such a jam-packed plot is that they rush past a lot of stuff without really installing all of the structure that you need to understand why what happens happens. There was a lot of this happens, then that happens without a lot of explanation of 
direction. Yeah, it, it didn't seem entirely necessary. It, it helped hook up the episode because it's part of what's motivating Lena to go to National City and join Supergirl to save the world was her regrets for not getting the medallion, which may have been the element which could have stopped Lex killing people, maybe. It just was rushed to the point where I kind of lost track of the thread there. Yeah, and of course, I, I think it was also just a separation. Her her reasoning for the move was she didn't want to be in Metropolis anymore. She wanted to start over in a way, although, you know, when you're running a giant corporation named after your brother... <laughs> well, she did rename it L Corp. <laughs> but, but again, that was enough, though. They didn't really need it, I don't think. I don't think the connection to the kryptonite uh, machine was necessary for this plot. It, it just made things a little mug muggy and wasn't necessary. There, there's so many other things that were good in this episode. It just wasn't necessary. Well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> It was fun to just hear briefly of Lord Technologies with the whole Obsidian phone subplot. <laughs> the T-Pixel 8. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was quite nice. Of things to pull back from previous seasons, I thought that was a nice touch. Right, and reminders that it is a large and complex world and not just conservation of characters. Well, I guess it is since we, we know about Lord. Um, but anyway, it was nice to zoom out again for a second. <laughs> the other small issue I had, which absolutely is pointless, is the Obsidian Worldwide logo is still the same logo that we have seen Obsidian North use. And the logo is obviously a contact lens with an arrow pointing north. It's obviously an Obsidian North logo, and I don't know why that's also the Obsidian Worldwide logo. I wanted a different logo for Obsidian Worldwide, but whatever. Hmm. I've also seen uh, an Ouroboros, a snake eating its tail, as uh, an important part of Andrea's decor, and also things just sort of geometric patterns that look vaguely Mayan or, or Aztec or something to me. There were a lot of snakes certainly referenced in this episode as well. And I don't think the intent is entirely colonial. Well, it's complicated. Uh, Andrea may have some heritage from that area of the world, but Lena certainly doesn't. No. Not that we've been told, at least. <laughs> also, what was a shock to me, the biggest shock in this entire episode, was as we move one year forward, another ghost from the past returns, and we get to see Jack again. Yes, that was fun. I, I really enjoyed seeing him again. <laughs> I was shocked. I guess he was just available. The actor was. <laughs> I think he's a lot of fun, and I always enjoy watching him, whether he's in iZombie or whatever. But it was nice just to see he was obviously put in to help move the plot forward um, or develop Lena's backstory a little more. Um, but uh, it was nice seeing Here's how they met, and here's a little of that relationship, which was so... When we saw it in season two, that was, you know, a one-episode thing where, oh, here's this great love of my life, uh, and then he's out again. Oh. <laughs> so it was nice to see him back and see a little more of that story. There's a lot of nice parallels and nice back work on the characters in this episode, because we also now get 
this story arc with Andrea, which is Lena's first best friend absolutely betraying her. And that betrayal basically sends Lena into a bit of a spiral at that point, because that really is what leads to Lena breaking up with Jack. Mm -hmm. And we also get her parallel relationship with Jack and Andrea's relationship with Russell. So there's a lot of nice parallel stories going on, and it really helps to hammer down or put a bit of a lantern on it, perhaps, for why Lena is so destroyed by Kara betraying her. And this is a nice way of just helping that forward by just making it a, a clear, repetitive betrayal that keeps happening to Lena. Right. Everyone does it to her her family, her friends, her childhood friends, and her adult friends. People just keep doing that to her. It has to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Well, not at this rate. <laughs> we also see then, just after that, the Russell and Andrea meeting each other. Mm -hmm. And this scene is wonderful. And I, I'm annoyed how wonderful the scene is. Because this story wants to give us a degree of sympathy for Andrea. And, oh, the scene did a pretty good job. Right, right. I have to agree there. It was a uh, meet cute. And um, you saw them just kind of connecting. And it seemed like they did have a little chemistry there. But, you know, it's it was, um, I think they did a lot of good work in this episode with little touches. Just filling things in and giving you a little more motivation, even though I uh, think Andrea chose poorly. <laughs> but uh, you can see why they made some of the decisions they made. Exactly. Even if you don't agree with them. <laughs> and it also shows one of the real problems this show has with its villains. Russell is such an interesting seeming character and Riproar is so boring. Right. I had thought that Riproar was mind controlled all this time, but then it turned out, since he did talk to Supergirl a little bit, it did turn out that he was just being quiet out of one can't assume he would be loyal to Leviathan so I guess fear of Leviathan he uh but then he went ahead and said the organization's name and it turned out of course that his fear of them was justified because once he gets out that's it for him but it wouldn't have changed the results if he had told Supergirl a lot <laughs> while he was in custody. Leviathan didn't even wait to find out whether he had talked. They just killed him when he got out. Partly as a punishment for Andrea. They had to. The story would have made no sense if they didn't. I think that's entirely true. I would argue, though, that Russell is mind-controlled, and it just took all that he had to say Leviathan. I think he is heavily uh, influenced by Leviathan and the tech that's been plugged into his brain. Okay. And I think he is pretty limited. I just think he was just able to get that out. Maybe it was almost too much that he could get that out, but eh, it's okay. But yeah, I, I think he's pretty uh, limited in his uh, control at the moment. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Because if he had had free will, one would think he would have tried to break himself and Andrea away from Leviathan much earlier. I do like that we get to see the Akrata transformation scene. And of course, the production is doing a good job of giving people magical, super fast transformation technology. Much better. Very good idea. <laughs> yeah, I thought those effects were just fine. Uh, stepping into shadows or creating shadows of yourself and teleportation, that's a nifty superpower. I don't quite understand how it makes Andrea 
Once she learns how to become Shadow, she also becomes really efficient at killing people just by twisting their necks. Not really sure. <laughs> Maybe it's part of the Shadow power that she's also an effective killer. Well, I think the Akrata powers aren't just the Shadow walking. I think clearly she is also a lot tougher and stronger. She twists that neck pretty easily, and she actually holds up in a fight against John for a while. So I think it clearly is giving her lots of other generic extra ordinary uh, superpowers. Okay, okay. That makes a little more sense. The one thing I wanted to briefly cover is just how much of an overreaction it seemed to be that two goons and a Leviathan woman show up to kill Russell the moment he sees a medallion with a red stain on it. Yes, that was just crazy. <laughs> that was just crazy. <laughs> Especially, as you point out, since uh, Andre apparently has no problem wearing the medallion to a big party. Yep, so seeing the medallion obviously wasn't a problem. So apparently just one red stain on it meant it had to have him killed. I entirely didn't understand this. This was super rushed beyond anything I could understand. Yeah, maybe they were planning to do something about her boyfriend anyway, because a boyfriend would be a threat to their secret relationship with Andrea. I suppose, but they could have acted a long time before that, and it just seemed bizarre. And it also just seemed like in a later moment, when we get back to the today timeline, how did they all get in there so quickly, so instantly? And it just was incomprehensible. Maybe it's just a visualization to show that Russell actually was looking into what she was doing and had found out a bunch of things and started asking questions. And they just crammed it into him seeing an object. And it just was, yeah, wild. Yeah, it seems like they must have Andrea under constant surveillance, including cameras in her houses and it almost seems like they must have teleportation or something because they show up in in the cave uh where the medallion was and they show up instantly here either that or like you said some kind of augury thing oh well <laughs> e even though i do think rip roar is a horrible name i suppose it is better than dr sextopus <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> But not as funny. Right. Well, Rip Roar, of course, salutes the DC custom of having first name and last name have the same initials. And here, the villain initials match the secret identity initials. So superhero-y it hurts. <laughs> uh, we moved to then one year ago. The only thing nice we see now is we get the moment in time where Lena realizes that she's really pissed off at Kara. And then she sees Andrea on the TV. And then she can be really pissed off at Andrea, too. Just to hammer down the parallelization there. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty nice, uh, Lena not being able to get away. <laughs> so Lena calls Andrea and says, hey, let's be friends again. And by the way, I want to sell you Catco. It's an interesting pitch. I wonder, is she planning to do this as a way of revenge for Andrea? I mean, there must be some reason. Just wanting to get rid of Catco, well... I think she wanted to do it in a way that hurt Kara, just as a, you know, beginning of her revenge plan. But I wonder if it was also some kind of plot to start getting back at Andrea somehow? I would say both. Mm -hmm. I think it was a way of aligning them together so that, that she can just play them off each other and do damage to both. And uh, yeah, well, Lena is uh, not being very nice. <laughs> 
No, no, she certainly isn't. Because, I mean, before she had said, oh, she sold Catco to her friend Andrea and she knew it would be in good hands and thus Kara would be in good hands. All a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but now, of course, we know that she, she didn't trust Andrea not to hurt people. <laughs> Which helps make some of the previous bits of the season make more sense. This backstory really does help frame this season better than it was seeming watching it in real time. So, finally, Andrea and Lena confrontation. Andrea says, every time I look at you, I think about all the horrible things I did. And Lena says... Every time I look at you, all I feel is pain. Not a direct quote, but basically pretty close to Andrea says, I feel bad. And Lena says, you should feel bad. <laughs> Lena's actually pretty honest with uh, how she's feeling, which you think would be cathartic. But no, she's just setting it all up. Right, right. Uh, Andrea admits that the medallion was magical and Lena was right all along. But then she explains, I never wanted to betray you, but my father was going to die of his own hand, which might better have been addressed through psychiatric care. Exactly. But yeah, we'll move on. And Lena says uh, she's tired of people hurting each other and you jump, I jump. But she's just lying. She is not ready for rapprochement with uh, Andrea. She's just using her. Well, no, there is an honesty there, though, which is she's tired of people hurting each other. And this is part of her plan to do no harm, which I still don't quite know what that means. Right. But it's not that she's offering forgiveness and healing. Oh, no, not at all. To Andrea, which is what her words to Andrea seem to imply to Andrea. We know that she's talking about her secret plan to control humanity. Exactly. But Andrea just hears, let's be friends again. <laughs> the alcohol in this episode is harder than the usual line. <laughs> But to be fair, Lena's plan just to distract Supergirl while Akrata goes into the DEO is pretty good and is pretty valid. Yes, but we also find out that while Lena can incept or at least freeze everyone in the DEO, you know, a large group of people all at once, that's a pretty terrifying technological superpower. It is, and a little myriad, myriad feeling still from the first season. I truly do not understand understand why they decided to have do no harm mean freeze and not move at all for everyone except for Brainy, who then acts to stop someone from doing harm, which seems more complicated. But maybe Brainy is just more complicated. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and Alex apparently doesn't get hit by this just because she's down in the lower levels retrieving a super weapon. Was she there or was she actually out of the building? I had the impression that she was down in the basement levels or something, but I could be wrong. That may have been sufficient. And, and yeah, where they had a supply of the blockers, which can now block the incepting tech that Lena is using. Right. I liked that the spider things got out again. They are... A cool and scary little alien thing that <laughs> it's fun to see what they do. And this was the second thing in the episode that I truly 
got lost on, which was two guys walked in to the spider tattoo jail cell to be hosts for the tattoos. Mm -hmm. Where did those two come from? Who are they? I assumed that they were DEO agents who had been controlled and made to do that. Oh, they're DEO agents doing no harm. Okay, that explains where they came from. It doesn't explain at all what they're doing, but it does explain where they came from. Because I was trying to think of whether they were brought in by Akrata, but they weren't. So I was really confused for a moment. But sure, those are how DEO agents are interpreting do no harm in this context. Right. I don't understand the incepting in this episode, I have to say. Um, yeah, they did shoot some kind of web at somebody, I think, instead of killing people. So I guess that's a do no harmy. Um, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Anyway, Lena had turned on some kind of jammer when Supergirl came to her place for the distraction. And so Alex had been unable to page her, but she finally just yells for help and Supergirl speeds back to help her. But too late to prevent Andrea and Rip Roar from escaping. And Andrea and Rapport step through the portal. Uh, they thought to escape, but actually they end up in Lena's lab. When they left, the DEO instantly knows that they're gone. Like a couple scenes in this episode, the DEO's security obviously sucks. <laughs> But it seems to have amazingly good sensors for whether there's a baddie in the building or not, even walking through shadows, because it instantly knows when Akrata goes into the building and out of the building and all the lights go off and the red lights go on and then the lights come back on automatically. I'm very impressed with their sensor tech, even if their security bites. Well, you know, poor security has been a hallmark of most of the Superman shows I've ever watched <laughs> from uh, people walking in and out of Lex's mansion whenever they felt like it in Smallville to anyone, you know, getting into warehouses or military facilities or, or whatever in uh, Supergirl. There's never a locked door on stage right. <laughs> Locks mean nothing and uh, guards are incompetent, I guess. We see them and I'm assuming that Lena's uh, dungeon is well blocked enough that even Leviathan can't see them. Right. Which is good, I guess in a way. <laughs> For some reason, Lena really, still really, really, really cares about the medallion, and she wants the medallion back, and incepts Russell to make him hold a scalpel against his throat to force Andrea to turn over the medallion, and she does. I guess this means, does she love Russell more than she loves her father, or is it just the immediacy of the threat? But anyway, she hands it over. Well, to be fair, Lena could just incept Andrea too. But hey, Lena's not doing any harm. I guess it's more fun for Lena to <laughs> coerce Andrea into handing it over by threatening her boyfriend than just incepting Andrea. Or maybe something to do with Andrea's obsidian tech makes it harder to influence Andrea that way, maybe? Perhaps. I think it, it's conceivable that Andrea also could ha find a solution for blocking the Inceptions, as it is based on the same Q-Wave technology. They haven't told us that yet, but who knows? There's a couple things in here that we don't get an explanation of that we will find out probably next episode. The biggest thing here, beyond Lena obviously not being the best moral for humanity <laughs> is they should have just kept Russell there and he could have hung out with Malefic and it'd be funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
But of course, like the soon as they take Russell out, Leviathan's going to kill him. They were about to kill him in your house, Andrea. How did you think you were going to get him out? I, I don't know. I don't know. It just seemed bizarre. After Andrea and Russell have left uh, and they do kill him. And the old man who talked to Andrea in the cave at the beginning explains to Andrea that, uh, oh no, you still have uh, shadow superpowers. The darkness was in you all the time. Well, so yes, Akrata is uh, not gone. I thought that was okay. That was nice. That, that basically suggested that all of everything she just did was pointless. <laughs> and I kind of like that sometimes when episodes do that. And it did frame the episode well. It, this episode really couldn't have ended any other way. I think the interesting question that I have is, was Lena's mother connected to Leviathan then? Right. We never found out... How Leviathan knew about the medallion, how it got involved with Andrea, and you're quite right, it may indeed be some kind of long conspiracy. If the show decides to develop Lena's mother more than just having her be a dupe, <laughs> a fool, a used and betrayed woman, uh, that would be interesting to me. As far as I remember, she drowned and Lena was the only witness. I don't know if a body was found. You never know, she might still come back. Ooh, interesting. Well, that would be fun if that turns out to be true. I almost hope they do it. It would uh, be an interesting thing to add to Lena's complicated life. <laughs> One thing I'd give this episode a lot of credit to, unlike Plain Sight, where I made lots of questioning remarks regarding the props and set dressings. In this episode, I'm amazed that they even built a book of folktales that you could actually see Lena page through mm -hmm. and tell the backstory for Akrata and the medallion and the village that was always hidden in the smoke from the volcano. And I was very happy with the set dressing there. And I thought that was a, a very nice thing. I, I'm all for a nice prop that feels well built for the episode. And uh, I, I quite like that. Indeed. Indeed. Let's see. Lena does a little vision of herself and her mother. I found it. Then uh, Eve or Hope tells her, yeah, I guess Hope tells her that the medallion doesn't have the powers anymore, but Lena says, but just translate it for me and now access Eve's memories and tell me everything you know about Leviathan. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I, I like, you know, they didn't just forget about that. I still don't understand why Lena couldn't have accessed Eve's memories before this, several episodes before this, and found out more about Leviathan. But at least they finally tied off that thread, or they will next episode. I think she just didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> and now it has something to do with the story of the medallion and her mother. And betrayal. So now she cares. Okay, okay, the <laughs> right. <laughs> if it has to do with her mother or her screwed up family or the people who betrayed her, she doesn't really care. And here she really cared. And yeah, it's absolutely what we wanted to see done. We knew that that was going to come because Eve knows more than she, of course, told Lena. And now Lena will know everything Eve did. So that's awesome that they covered that nicely. The other two things that are still hanging from this plot is 
I don't think they collected the incepting device that was abandoned in the DEO. Mm-hmm. So as far as I can tell, hopefully they will remember that and that device is still there for Brainy to examine. Yes. And when figuring that out, we also didn't see Kelly because this is the first time this technology has been used outside of Lena's dungeon. So we're going to find out, is there a moment where during this DEO attack, Kelly was affected? Hmm. Which they easily could do. So it'll be interesting to see next episode whether Kelly comes and says, what in the world is going on? Yes. Right. We didn't see her at all, I don't think, this episode. So yes, well, that'll be interesting to find out if she was affected. Also, just stepping back for a second to uh, Lena and Eve, just because uh, Lena said, tell me everything, and that was the end of the episode, that doesn't mean that we, the viewers, are going to find out. (laughs) Oh, I would expect we're not. They may skip past that scene. (laughs) Yeah, I I expect Lena now knows things that we don't. They're going to want to keep that as a surprise for us. And I'm okay with that. I'm I'm happy enough with at least Lena knowing it. And uh, hopefully that plays out reasonably well. We still knew more than Lena did. And the show has to have secrets, so let's have some more secrets. <laughs> Lena now knows more than anyone, though, which is interesting. Lena now is the person with all the knowledge. Right. But I wonder, is she going to let the Leviathan thing distract her from her quest to heal the world? Or <laughs> is she uh, is she going to somehow try to weave Leviathan into her plans? Well, in that I am assuming the season is a Lena Demption season. <laughs> In all likelihood, we are going to be seeing Andrea and Leviathan. And they've started to break into Andrea a bit and giving us more sympathy for how she's gotten herself stuck in the situation. That doesn't mean she's not a jerk, but there's sympathy there. The the big bad clearly is now going to be Leviathan, and Lena is going to have to make a call at some point in the season that she's going to probably have to work with both Andrea and Supergirl to try and defeat Leviathan. And I'll be shocked if that isn't the climactic part of the season, as both her betrayals are somewhat forgiven, and her actions then act to work with these people who betrayed her to defeat the greater evil. Mm Mm-hmm. And that'll be fun to watch. Right. I don't know if we'll see a total redemption from Andrea. She may eventually really be sorry, and not just that she got caught or that her boyfriend got killed, but she may actually regret her choices some sometime and think, I should have never done that. But I think right now it's more that she's just sorry things worked out the way they did as an impersonal kind of thing. And I won't be happy unless she either dies or goes to prison for her murders at the end of the season. She will go away and she will probably go away into a prison. That makes the most sense. (laughs) Well, we'll see. My happiness doesn't depend on that, but I won't be happy about her plot (laughs) (laughs) unless it ends that way. (laughs) Well, she has things that the show will not forgive and Kara's poor choices of secrets is something the show expects us to forgive. (laughs) Right. Well, Kara's secrets certainly haven't directly killed anybody. (laughs) Okay.
Okay, so this episode was very heartening. Even if they rushed past some things and didn't explain them, at least there was a lot of interesting stuff going on, and not just plot, but emotional beats. So uh, I definitely view this as getting back on track. Absolutely. This was such a much better episode than the previous one. So it's just night and day how much I (laughs) preferred this episode over the last one. Hopefully the rest are as good. Right. So I saw a preview of Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, starting December 8th, but I've also found out that um, they're not going to get the whole crisis over with in a week. Uh, We're not going to see episodes four and five of the crisis until January. So that's a bummer. (laughs) That's so cruel. Yes. (laughs) We'll be left in suspense for quite some time there, I guess. Well, I watch some shows that fail to even play in order on uh, TV, so at least this one, while complicated in that it is affecting so many shows and it is such a huge change to some of the CW shows, I think it's okay that its scheduling is a little more complicated. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they have their reasons. Uh, It probably helps bring people back in January uh, to watch the shows instead of just, oh, well, I'm done now. (laughs) That will certainly be interesting to see how far they go and where they leave us hanging. (laughs) Exactly. Alrighty. Well, I'd like to thank The Incomparable for hosting us. I'd like to thank our listeners. They can catch up with us on Twitter at SG Supercast or on the Incomparables member Slack channel. And as always, David, I'd like to thank you for another interesting conversation. Happy to be here hiding in the shadows. <laughs> okay, well, until next time. Bye-bye.